You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. My new best friend today is Marlene Mendoza, CEO of Mendoza Consulting. We discuss her background in Chicago and how she came to the University of Iowa, even though she forgot she had even applied. We dig into why she changed her name multiple times and how she grew to find pride in it. Marlene shares the story of how her, Angie Jordan, and Tasha Lard came together and reinvigorated the Iowa City South District. And she shares her dream of a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for the corridor. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. My new best friend today is Marlene Mendoza. Um, I met Marlene about, I think it's probably 18 months ago, mm-hmm. uh, in connection with the uh, diversity markets in the South District of Iowa City. And over the last 18 months, I, I've become her friend, and she's my friend, and I understand her consulting business and what she's doing. So, Marlene, welcome. Hi, Tom. Welcome. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, as I recall, you were uh, born and raised in Chicago. You might tell us that background and how you got to Iowa City, Iowa. Okay, yeah. I was uh, born and raised in Chicago, Belmont Cragen, west side of the city. That's the neighborhood I grew up in. The neighborhood is is predominantly Latino, but specifically like Mexican-American, like overwhelming, like 80%. Uh, it's um, low income, and uh, that's where I spent, I want to say, as like kindergarten all the way up until... Uh, high school, yeah, till I left, 18, and then I came here to the University of Iowa. I am very fortunate that I uh, Iowa was the first place that accepted me. Like I got, I remember I went to my mailbox. I was so anxious. I applied to all these schools. I knew I wanted to get out of Chicago. I, I had gone to a program in high school called IB, where you are stuck with the same group of people all four years, and you have all the same classes. And you take all these placement tests. It is good. It helps you so that you go and in, you go into college with like a, a whole semester under your belt kind of thing. But I was fed up with those people, so I wanted to just <laughs> get out of there. And I did not want to go to Urbana-Champaign because everybody went there. So I was open to going anywhere in the Midwest across the country. And I remember the I had a friend. Her name is Vanessa Duarte. And she messaged me and she said, hey, today is the last day for the Iowa applications. Because she's, she's also an alumni. She's a Hawkeye. She loved Iowa from Chicago. Uh, we knew her. We were family friends with her. And she told me, you have to apply. And I said, okay. And I told her, I was like, I'm tired of applying and making personal essays. So if this is a long application, it's a no for me. Because I had applied to like a lot of schools. And she was like, no, like it's a really easy application. Just, just make sure you apply. And I did. And I forgot about it. I forgot I applied to Iowa. <laughs> and I'm over here waiting on U Chicago and Minnesota and Michigan, like all these other places. And then I got my first package. It was a bright yellow packet. And I was just like, what is this? And I opened it and I remember like, oh, right, I had applied to that school in Iowa. And it was the first packet I got. And it told me like, hey, you come here. We got you for four years. 
And at that point, you know, my upbringing, I'm coming from a single mother, I'm the third of six children. Um, thankfully for my mother's guidance, we all have gone through higher education on merit and financial needs scholarship. And I was the third in that process. And I told my mom, hey, I got the thing and it's in Iowa. And I didn't second guess it. I was like, we're going. And we came and I'm here. And I, I didn't even come to check out the campus. I came the first day of orientation. <laughs> I, I swear, I just, I just came on the first day of orientation. I should have done more research, but I fell in love with the campus. It's so picturesque. And it made me feel like I was in like a movie or something. You know, like those oh, yeah. college yeah. movie yeah. towns? Yeah, and I, and I just really liked it. And I was like, finally, a place that's away from what I grew up mm. in. It's a small town, and it would give me a whole different experience. And I guess it was strong enough that it made me come back. So I'm here, you know? Now, tell me more about your mother. I, she, I assume she's not a college graduate. She's not, no. In, but she was committed to all the children going to college she was she understood the importance of education and how it can really lift you out of poverty and set you free in the context of like you pursue what you want to do and education is the tool to get you there she loved school she's the oldest in her family and she has um in total they had more than her well my grandmother her mother had more than seven kids but not all of them are, are living or survived past a certain age but she was the oldest from that from that like lot and she unfortunately um, had to be the second mom. She had to be the second caretaker. She's the oldest. There's a lot of little kids. And, you know, she grew up also in poverty in Mexico. And she realized, like, I don't want to stay living and being the second caretaker. Like, she wanted her own freedom. Right. And so she decided, you know, I don't want my kids to feel like they're stuck in the situation that I am. I want to give them more opportunities. So she told me that when she was younger in Mexico, she was like a little girl. She used to always have this little bag with her and she'd walk around her little town her little pueblo and she used to tell people all the time bye I'm leaving bye <laughs> and they would look at her because she grew up in a rural small town Hicotlan in Puebla like really small town I went to go visit it there's literally nothing out there it's like a volcano in the distance <laughs> and very small town and she told me that she used to tell people bye 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 and they used to tell her child where are you going you're not going anywhere you're stuck in this town like we're from here right. kind of thing and she used to do that when she was really young and then she said that finally when she did leave her town to go to the U.S. that her family was not surprised because they said you know you would always tell us when you were little like you were not going to stay here and so we're not surprised that you're leaving kind of thing I definitely have that part of her where I feel like no I'm going to go do my own thing right. I'm going to go kind of do my own thing but yeah so um, my mom went as far as I want to say maybe the first year in college something like that. Mm -hmm. Never finished though. And uh, she really enjoyed it. And so when she had her own family, she realized like, this is the place for you to get the education and it will open doors for you. And so I remember when we were very little, she used to tell us, you don't have any homework. You don't uh, like at home, like mm -hmm. any chores to do. She would just tell us like, your only mm -hmm. job is to be a student and to help me in that way. You know, I'll take care of everything else. Might not be the prettiest situation all the time. Mm -hmm. But I just want you to focus on your education, not even chores. Um, I think it was her way of saying, like, you don't have an excuse kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, really, yeah. And uh, no, but um, I'm grateful for her. And you, if, you, if you would tell her today, like, wow, you've done a lot for your children, and people tell her that all the time, she'll, she'll always say it was God. And uh, I always tell people that, you know, she's not wrong, and, and she's right. Um, we grew up in the church. My mom had a job. At, a, at our Catholic parish, she, we, she used to work at St. John Bosco. She worked there for like a long time, I wanna say more than eight years. And um, it was, the church was right across the street from where 
the school, the elementary school. And then we had a youth center. And then we had um, her job, the parish. So between the four, the four corners, I, that's, I spent most of my life just growing up in that environment from like age eight until 18, until I left to Iowa. So that's a lot of my upbringing in Chicago. Yeah, when I first met you, then you told me one day you um, you didn't drive a car, which I've <laughs> I I read that before. But it's always <laughs> I grew up and I was it's always surprising, but yeah, because you, you didn't need a car, right? No, we we walked everywhere. We walked a lot. Like we, um, and I enjoyed it as a kid because I loved walking through neighborhoods, just getting lost, looking at the trees and the flowers, and just seeing people's day to day kind of thing. But it wasn't until I was older that I realized, oh, dang, like we walked everywhere because, you know, we were just financially limited, you know. Sure. And um, to this day, I, I enjoy walking all the time. Like if I need to just get things or think about certain things, I like to go on the, on a walk. But yeah, like um, we walked everywhere. We took the bus everywhere. We had a lot of friends that would kind of give us rides sometimes when like the weather was really bad. And yeah, I just never got around to it. And then I, I when I was here in the university i mean i stayed in the university town i didn't go into the actual like community so you know i, I didn't mm -hmm. see the need mm -hmm. and then i went to dc which is another city and like you don't need a car there and then when i came back i realized quickly like oh i never got around to this skill i need to really kind of do that you know so and you're learning and i'm learning yeah Good. act campus a lot of curbs <laughs> out there <laughs> well, congratulations yeah. now you told me recently that um you occasionally changed your first name. Give us the background of that situation. <laughs> oh, yes. So my name, well, uh, the first language I, I learned and grew up speaking was Spanish. Obviously, my parents are both from Mexico. They're immigrants. We grew up in Chicago. In the neighborhood I mentioned, everyone spoke Spanish around me, right? Like there was, like you could get around with not speaking English. I went through bilingual education up till third grade, I believe. But so my mom, my name in Spanish is Marlene. You know, that's my name. Um, but saying that in English, uh, it translates to Marlin. And when I was younger, kids used to be like, oh, like like the fish, Florida Marlins kind of thing. Like, you know, like a fish. <laughs> right, you know? sure. And I never, I didn't even know what that was. But I was just like, I guess. So then I used to tell my mom, like, oh, like, I don't like my name. Like, kids call me, like, they say that I'm like a fish or whatever. And my mom just like, well, that's not your name. Your name is Marlene. But then, you know, it has an R. So, like, telling people to pronounce the R is hard if you don't mm -hmm. speak Spanish. So then when I was in high school, I had this weird idea of like, oh, well, I'll just tell them my name is Marlene, you know, even though there's no E at the end. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and people call me that in high school. And my siblings used to always make fun of me because my friends would talk to my siblings and be like, oh, yeah, your sister, her name is Marlene. And then my siblings would be like, I don't know who you're talking about. That's not her name. <laughs> That's know? a great story. Yeah. And then in college, I had a Spanish professor. Her name was Julia Rajan. And she noticed my name and she came up to me and she said, do you, did your parents speak English when you grew up? And I said, no, they, they only speak Spanish. And she goes, so then your name is not Marlene, your name is Marlene, and you need an accent on your name. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Phonetically, it needs an accent. Mm -hmm. And I called my mom, and she goes, yeah, she's not wrong. There's an accent there. The whole time, never knew. And then she, every time I submitted my homework, if I didn't have my accent on my name, like, she would like deduct points. Like she would be like, nope, that's, I don't know who this is. I'm not grading this kind of thing. <laughs> right. She was trying to prove a point. I understood the point that she was trying mm -hmm. to make. And she said, you should be proud of your name. You should be proud of what it is and it's who you are. Um, so that was in college. And then in college, I fully adopted my actual name, is, which is Marlene. And if people can't say the art, they can happily call me Marlene. You know? People yeah. like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go back to how we first met and then we'll come back to your consulting business. Okay. 
you were involved, uh, I met you and Angie Jordan and Tasha Lard on the South District mm-hmm. um, efforts down there, which you've been a leader on. And and then the issue of the diversity markets, which mm-hmm. is, was created during the summer. Mm-hmm. So how did you meet Angie and Tasha and get involved in the South District? Yeah. Um, so Iowa City. Yeah. So it started <clears throat> because when I moved back from D.C. to Iowa City, that's what, this was early 2020. And I was, cons- this is when I actually started my consulting business technically because I had, I had uh, all my work was coming out of DC and I was working remotely. And in my mind, I was like, this is only temporary. I'm gonna look for a full-time job in Iowa City. Clearly the full-time job has never come. <laughs> I am a business owner now, uh, which is good. I learned that. But when I was looking for that job, I told myself, okay, why don't I just decide to volunteer in the community? Cause I have more time on my hands. Uh, and I was working enough hours at a certain rate where I could afford to do that. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to give back to my community. I just moved back. I used to know a lot of people here when I was an undergrad because I used to do a lot of community work. So I wanted to just reconnect. So the first thing I did is I got reconnected with LULAC, which is League of United Latin American Citizens. I used to be a council member when I was an undergraduate. So I reached out to them. I signed up as a member. And then through LULAC, I then quickly (laughs) adopted uh, the presidency role. And then as a president of LULAC, COVID happened, and then it was the George Floyd protest. And, you know, those years are a blur, but it was it was a lot. And I was recently uh, announced as president, and we started having families reach out to LULAC in Spanish, Spanish-speaking families, immigrant families, who started telling us that they did not know how to navigate the online learning environment. Uh, some of their kids didn't have the hotspots. Some of the kids didn't have the laptops. They were looking for places where they could have internet so that they don't have to send their kids to places like Dunkin' Donuts just for internet right. to do homework. Yeah. You know, and yeah. most people don't think about this, but you know, this specific population, low-income immigrant Spanish-speaking, they live in uh, a lot of them live in the trailer home parks in Iowa across Iowa City, and they need stable broadband connection. And so when they reached out to us, we served as the mediator role, and we reached out to the Iowa City. Uh, school district at the time Matt was interim I believe before he was officially and we met with Matt and we said hey we're hearing concerns about families uh, we want to work with you can can Lulek be a, a connector to share past the information because there's a lot of miscommunication going around around absenteeism and discipline it was just a lot so at the time there was a place called Open Heartland which still exists a great great nonprofit. Um, but they were based in the South District. They were based right next to JD Beauty Supply. Sure. So that big kind of section there, it's called mm. uh, 1059 on Pepperwood Plaza. That used to be Open Heartland. So LULAC, me being the president at the time, I reached out to Open Heartland because it was one of the first uh, neighborhood sites that was developed for this purpose to help uh, you know, minority students, uh, often very, many of them black and brown, who were lower income, whose families were essential workers. So they needed a place where they can have support of someone to help them, tutor them, finish the homework, really just accountability, make sure the kid's actually signing on Mm -hmm. and doing the work kind of thing. And uh, LULAC worked to get volunteers, bilingual volunteers, to then help them, tutor them, so they wouldn't get behind in, in their education. In Open Heartland, I met Angie because Angie also is a a jack of all trades. She's so talented. She also does knitting groups. So she had a knitting group at Open Heartland. And (laughs) I was there with my LULAC volunteers and some of the ladies that are co-founders of Emprendimiento Latino because their kids were also there trying to get the tutoring. So then 
the lady who ran Open Heartland at the time, Elizabeth Bernal, came to me. She goes, hey, have you met Angie? You should meet Angie. And I said, no, I haven't met her. She goes, oh, you should meet her. And so she was running a knitting circle. So I went over. I introduced myself. Angie told me about the SDNA, South District Neighborhood Association, and all her work that she had done. And she was from that community, from that neighborhood. And I told her about LULAC and what we were doing. And she was also providing a service of helping moms you know, bond while their kids are getting tutored online or doing the homework online. And that's where I first met Angie. And then Angie told me, hey, have you met Tasha? She's the owner of JD Beauty Supply right next door. And then she took me over. I met Tasha. I told her that, you know, we, we were just there all the time because we, right. you know, we were just spending time there. Uh, Angie's kids were a part of the programming in Open Heartland where they had, uh, you know, free Wi-Fi, uh, programming for young kids around this time and all that stuff. And Tasha also has kids and they're a little older, but they would also be there and we would also go. And we started talking. In getting to know each other, we realized that all three of us were trying to take the opportunity of COVID and turn it into something positive. We were trying to figure out, okay, each of us have our own community. At the core of what we're trying to do to each community is trying to help them economically to be sustainable, right? Because COVID taught us that, like, you have to find more sustainable forms of income. Additionally, Tasha is an owner. She's a a woman business owner for uh, the, the, the beauty supply store. Angie had just started Banjo Knits and she was, she not just started, but she was doing that as mm-hmm. her business. And I was exploring, should I take this consulting formally? So we were all also exploring entrepreneurship on our own. We knew people that wanted to get into entrepreneurship. We wanted to support our community. And this is where Angie told me and Tasha and said, hey, I know uh, a, a very good uh, person who can help us. We want to have a meeting with her. This is Nancy Bird. She goes, Nancy Bird is the director of the downtown district. She's an expert in SMIDs. She wants to have a conversation with us because it's potential that we could do something like that in the South District. And this was just a conversation. And we had the conversation outside of JD Beauty Supply two summers ago almost. And Nancy came. We met her. She told us, if you really want to do this, there's a way you can do it. I'm more than happy to mentor you along the way. And I would have never known, Tom, that having that friendship with those two amazing women would lead to all this work. Um, but I'm very fortunate that I found them. And I, I really don't think it was a coincidence. Like, we were all next to each other, literally. And so it was only a matter of time before we were going to meet each other kind of thing. So you know, to refresh everybody's memory, uh, my listeners, Angie is, of course, Angie Jordan, mm-hmm. who is now the CEO of the South District. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she was a podcast guest a while back. And Tasha Lard is... Uh, is also a, was a podcast guest. So Tasha and Angie and Marlene are the people I met, I guess, about 18 months ago. <laughs> and they've sort of been, made my life special. It's been a great experience to know all three of you and uh, the important work you're doing. And we're going to try to continue to, to support that. So yeah. congratulations. Well, tell Thank us you. now, um, I guess, a little about your consulting business. We'll leap ahead because yeah. you're still active in the South District. Yes. Almost, tell me about the... Um, I can't pronounce it very well. Your Latino group, the oh yes, EL Five M. Yeah, yeah, Five M. Yes, tell us about about that because we sponsored that. Yeah, you created this group of, uh, I guess, Latino women, right? Yeah. So it started because, um, you know, we, myself, and four other uh, women in the community. These women are trailblazers in the Latino community. Like they've done a lot of work. And helping to build and advocate for like things like the community ID from Johnson County, from fair housing to workers' rights. Like these are people that have been doing the work for a really long time. So I admire and I learned so much from them. Right? Really, I'm a I'm an interpreter and a connector for them. You know, they right. teach me so much, and they have brought me into the Latino community so I can get to meet other people. Right? Like 
in like inside. But I got to meet them because. Uh, again, like when we were figuring out how to support each other uh, economically in our own communities, um, they were at Open Heartland. Some of them were involved in LULAC in the past. Some of them had involved in other things that I had kind of some interaction with. And these were women that I had worked with when I was an undergraduate. So I had remembered them. And so they uh, remembered me and we started talking. And very similarly, we realized that they needed a lot of help and support in navigating the entrepreneurship journey. I mean, it was hard enough for me, and I speak two languages. So I couldn't imagine, like, Jesus, like, how do these immigrant people (laughs) do it? Like, it's so, like, amazing. And it's not just Latino. Any immigrant that comes here and starts a business, becomes a community stakeholder, does all these things. Like, I have... I have so much appreciation for the work that they're doing and the drive and the will to say, we're going to make this happen, right? I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. They're no different. And so I told them, I was like, listen, I'm also exploring the entrepreneurship journey. Why don't we just start meeting every week to hold each other accountable? And then if there's translation required, if there's anything that I can assist or help you with, let's do that, right? And that's how it started. And at first, we called each other like Colectivo de Mujeres de Negocio, which translates to Collective of Women in Business, because we were all women. But then we realized that it's not just a women need, it's a Latino Hispanic need. And it's something that we did our research and we couldn't find Mm -hmm. an organization in the area, at least in the city area, sorry, that would do that work, would literally do all the business 101s, but all in Spanish. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. what we were looking for. And so then we just decided, like, maybe it's our call to create help create something that not only helps us, but then can help future people that we can then help along the road. So we had a rebranding and we went from Comun to Emprendimiento Latino 5M December of 2022 because we wanted to serve the larger Latino and Hispanic community uh, and and, and focus on the immigrant community. because most of, not all of them, but a lot of the people that we work with who are Latino also are immigrants. Sure. Yeah. Well, good. That's, um, it's amazing. It's impressive. I met those, your four other women that yeah. they're just charming and friendly and yeah. uh, obviously smart too. It's just, it's impressive. So, well, um, I want to skip ahead to okay. um, uh, your latest sort of conversation we've had with Lee Vasquez and maybe a chamber of commerce concept for the Latino community, and, and which is again, well, it's bigger than Iowa City. This yeah, was this city, is the, the corridor. This is Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, and Eastern Iowa. So, yeah. tell us your tell us your, your dream with and Lee's background. His yeah. his what we're so Lee Vasquez uh, is the former uh, executive director of the Quad Cities Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So it is shared with Iowa and Illinois border, and he has been a true champion for Latino advocacy business all these types of things. He founded the LULAC chapter in Iowa City. He's done so much great work. And he is now living in Coralville. And I got to meet Lee through LULAC. And I found about his his past work. And in starting Emprendimiento Latino 5M, working with the Latino community specifically around economic development and small business, and the diversity market, and now the South District that's been created through that work, naturally, a lot of people in the community who are Latino business owners started reaching out to this group, 5M, diversity market, the South District. We started to meet more and more people. And one of the things that they kept bringing up was, hey, I think it's about time that Latino business owners have their own advocacy voice in business. We Mm -hmm. have to get connected into the local economy to then benefit from business referrals, really benefit from the services that traditional members from the chambers of commerce 
they, they, they benefit from. And so mm-hmm. they wanted to kind of do that. But it wasn't just for the Iowa City area because there's so many Latino businesses in rural towns. Like you can go to any small town, and this is not just in Iowa, you can go sure. to any small town and you will find a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> you know, That's or right. some form of Latinos. <laughs> someone's going to sell you a burrito. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, it's, it's something that is there. And so that's why it made sense to explore, okay, we're hearing people from Davenport, we're hearing people from Cedar Rapids, we're hearing from people in North Liberty, Coralville, mm-hmm. Iowa. So it made sense that, you know, if we're going to explore a Hispanic chamber, and there is not a current Hispanic chamber that is based fully in Iowa, in the whole state, right? Um, most, some people will tell me, well, why not in Des Moines? There's more people out there. I'm like, yes, there is more Latinos out in Des Moines, but there's also more, I want to say, um, politics and bureaucracy that can kind of get sure. in the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the benefit of Eastern Iowa is that it already has the infrastructure of can we support the corridor? Like right. we, I can, we, we people see it, they can feel it. And so when I was talking to Lee and I was telling him that people were asking me about a Hispanic chamber, I just asked him thinking, you know, can we just kind of send them over to the Quad Cities or something like that? And then that's when I started to realize that people really wanted something that was for Iowa. Sure. And I told him, I was like, well, maybe this makes sense for the corridor to really capture that kind of market. And we are working now to kind of follow up with some of these people and and literally just calling them and saying, hey, we're going to start having conversations about this. This is something that you were interested about. You should come out because we actually have a person that knows how to do all that and can speak about how this can Mm -hmm. benefit you and what it requires to really kind of have skin in the game and start something like this. And obviously this would be for Latino business owners, uh, people who are Latino, Hispanic, but also just people in the community that want to become members of a Hispanic chamber that you don't have to be Latino or Hispanic because of many reasons. One, you maybe you're looking to hire, uh, uh, you know, just hire people, right? Maybe you're trying to work with other Latino business owners, right? Um, there's just so much that, it, that the quarter can benefit from something right. like this. And the data and the trends for um, Latinos and Hispanic, the change in demographic for the country, um, I mean, it would be smart of us to start planting that infrastructure, that seed now, so that we're going along for the ride, right? So they're expecting that by 2040, by 2050, uh, Hispanic or Latinos will be the majority uh, demographic, like the the, big, the largest sure. minority kind of group. Um, and in, in Iowa right now, Latinos and Hispanic are the biggest, uh, the largest minority group. So right. they're 6% of the state, right? So <clears throat> we're exploring that. We want to see what the what the community wants and if we're going to go with that or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, we're, we're, we're basing it based on the, their momentum, right? Because right. it has to come from them. Well, we want to keep our little listeners to tell them to stay tuned. Yeah. This is floating around, moving down the road. We're mm-hmm. going to do a, actually a lunch at Big Grove on June 14th to talk about the South District and some other things, and this will be a topic too. So, no, it's <clears throat> it's it's you know it's it's happening in a way. So, yeah. If people want to be supportive, they can I guess contact you. Or, uh, Marlene Mendoza Consulting, right? <laughs> yeah, they can contact me and I'll send them to the right person. Yeah. I also tell people like, um, you know, a, a chamber at, in the corridor will help support groups like 5M because there's a lot of smaller groups across right. small <clears throat> towns. Like in West Liberty, they have one, um, you know, and other places they have other things like 5M that supports them. Um, so this <clears throat> would really help have like an umbrella under all these smaller organizations that <clears throat> then we can all work with. It's, yeah. it's all about aligning efforts, yeah. right? Yeah. Also, we should mention that the Court of Business Journal announced their Woman of Influence uh, recently, yeah. and you were recognized as the emerging Woman yes. of Influence because you're so young. So congratulations. You gave a great, I guess, remarks or speech that night. It was Thank you. Yeah. Very impressive. So Thank you. Congratulations on that. So 
Um, when people hear this podcast, they'll think you're a pretty serious person and pretty focused, which is sort of true. Yes. But you're also sort of fun. I, I, yeah. I, I, I can be fun, yes. You can be I fun. Promise. So tell us um, uh, what you do to have fun, your hobbies, yeah. or you watch movies. Uh, who are you? Yeah. Um, I love comedy. I'm, uh, uh, you know, people might not know that if they see me only in a professional setting, but I really do love comedy. I love uh, making a lot of jokes with my close friends. I just like to laugh. I think that you can't take yourself too seriously because you suck the joy out of life. And I think we make life more harder than it actually is. So to me, I could be very busy all day, but then I'll probably go home and, and just watch, you know, mm-hmm. I'd watch a lot of comedian podcasts I do watch a lot of comedy and things like that but I also really like um, to nurture my house plants <laughs> I like to talk to them I like to go on hikes I like to watch a lot of movies I love 90s thrillers I just love them I don't know why I just really do I mm-hmm. love solving or being I just like I love fantasy a lot a lot mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. tend to dream daydream a lot and the biggest thing that I love to do is I love to travel and I'm, I want to travel and explore the U.S. I used to travel and leave the country a lot, which is right. great. But I also want to be able to explore my own home base, right? Mm-hmm. And right. I'm going to mm-hmm. go down to the southwest here in a, in a, in a week or two. And um, I just like being in nature, you know? Sure. I love to be in nature with good people uh, and have great conversations. And to me, I feel the most alive and the most, like, fun when I can just do things like that. You know, being in a good setting with good people. You know, maybe there's some drinks around or whatever and just laugh like that to me is like definition of a perfect day. Well, that's why (laughs) becoming your friends has been so much fun. You obviously (laughs) are focused, have a goal and a purpose, which I want to support. But also you're you're fun to be with. Yeah. Thank you. You're you're I guess you're sort of funny in your own own way, but (laughs) a fun person. So, well, good. Anything else as far as um, work philosophies or any any? rules of life you follow i mean i mean just yeah um, and what would you i would just say the quicker you can the quicker you realize that you know nothing in life the better i would say that to people hmm. i remember when i was in high school you know my i had a, an awesome teacher his name was mr mckay he used to say oh soft do you know what sophomore means and i was like no he goes it's a smart moron and i was just like what he goes because when you're young and you're in in high school even up to college like you think you know everything you think you got everything in the bag you're like i know what i'm gonna do and all this other stuff and you know and that's kind of it's just your young adult teenage kind of years and i remember that because when i was when i got older and i left college i realized like oh man like i don't know anything but that's okay and I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to ask questions and I'm willing to be that person to say, hey, I don't know, actually. And can I learn? One of the things that have benefited me the most in my life is the fact that I can say that. And I look out to people like yourself, Tom, where I just want to have a coffee with you and I just want to hear about your life. I want to say, can I learn about your experiences mm-hmm. You've lived a rich life, and there's so many people that I reach out to who are older than me because I just want to learn from your experience. And that's what you should do in life. Like, look look to the people that you aspire to be one day and just talk to them, listen to them, their story. What did you go through? How did you handle that problem? What is certain advice that you can give to me now? And that has really helped me keep mentors and then just have people that I can rely on and say, hey, I'm going through this. Can you kind of help me out with something? And I tell that to young people all the time. It's like, yes, you want to have peers that are your age, but you want to meet other people 
that might not even have anywhere near the same experience you've had because you learned so much from looking behind that curtain, right? right. So that's what I would say. You know, it's interesting. When we first met, I guess I was the connector. I was sort of the old guy. <laughs> in, in, I, I, I connected you and yeah. Tasha, Angie, with other people. Yeah. Now it's to the reverse. You connect me with all these people, which has been enriched my life. So I mean, I mean, that's necessarily that's why I'm looking forward to the coming year because uh, I'll meet more people and yeah. hopefully they'll become my friends too, yeah. and I'll broaden my my horizons here. So yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 exciting for me. I do. I want to thank you, especially for the these people I, I met in the Latino community and, yeah. and, and they sort of know me now. And, yeah. You know, I loved when we took you to the Acapulco for the taco shop. Yeah. Yeah. Like things like that. Those, those are great moments, you know, yeah. meeting uh, other business owners in the South yeah. District. And I feel the same way. So I, I want to yeah. say that I feel the same way in, in what you've done. And uh, the power in human connection and social capital is really important. Yep. And people need, need to remember that. It's not just, like you said, asking for money. The value is actually in the relationship and the connection you make. Right. That's the social capital. I tell people when we first started out, I'd invite you to some of my, my big my big events. Yeah. And you would come and Tasha and Angie, and you'd meet peop- people and they become their friends. I'm, I'm sort of toast now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not needed anymore. But the three of you all have your own personalities and yeah. what you believe in and people yeah, understand what this is all about. It's about trying to help people mm-hmm. make this a better place. It's, it's impressive is all I can say. Thank you. Well, good. Well, I think um, that's our podcast for the day. Uh, I want to encourage people to stay tuned. Uh, in the um, in the South District, the diversity markets will start, I think, in July. Yes, July eighth, and then we'll mm-hmm. have we'll have it for seven weekends until early August uh, at Pepperwood Plaza. And that's on Saturday afternoons. Saturday afternoons. Saturday yes. afternoons. So if you have time. This summer, I would encourage you to drive down there, look around. It's not Disney World. I don't want people to go there. Oh my gosh! We're gonna, but it's a chance to meet people yes. and understand the Latino community too, and and uh, and and appreciate the great success I've seen mm-hmm. in the South District. We have the South District Market. That's what yes, it's called, right? We have the so market. I'm having lunch down there in a couple of weeks with Angie and some other people because we want to see what's going on down there. So, well, good. Well, thanks a lot, and um, keep in touch and. Um, Uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me. Thank you. Thank you. Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.